Well, amen. Good morning, church. Y'all doing all right this morning? Hope you're doing well. Welcome to Connection Church. Uh, if it's your first time here, I just want to say a special welcome to you. My name is Blake, and I get to serve here as one of the pastors, uh, and I love serving here. And uh, one of the things I love to do is I love to teach God's Word. I, I absolutely love it. And so thank you uh, for listening. Thank you for being here, and thank you for the opportunity. If you're watching online, I want to say a special welcome to you as well. Uh, we exist to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. So that's why we do every single thing that we do here at Connection Church. Uh, I'm going to pray for us real quick. Genesis chapter 6. If you got your copy of God's Word, go ahead. Go there, Genesis chapter 6, and pray with me, and then we'll get going. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your Word. God, you want to speak to us, and you speak to us through your Word. And so we're so thankful for that. We're so thankful that we get to have a relationship with you through your Son. And God, as we dive into your Word, God, I pray your Spirit would work in our hearts. And God, show us who you are. And God, help us to love you and worship you with all that we are. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, I love uh, the series we're in, Knowing God. I don't know about you. I want to know a little bit more about God. I love God. I want to know more about Him. Knowing God from Genesis to Revelation. And what we're doing is just walking through the Jesus storybook Bible. Now, this is more my reading level right here. I can understand this has taught me a lot. And so here's what we've learned so far. We've learned that uh, in the beginning, God, that He was in the beginning, that He created all things. Nothing was made that hasn't been made that wasn't made by Him and for Him. And so, man, I got to sit my kids down and I got to talk to them about how God created the world and how that God created them. And I got to talk about identity and purpose and value. And man, we had a great conversation, uh, me and my family. And then uh, we got to, to the fall and we see now things ain't good. Things are not good. And so Genesis chapter 3, we talked about the fall of Adam and Eve. And in this Bible, there's a big picture of a snake. And Billy said he was teaching Will, his son, about the fall in the garden and his son said, Daddy, that ain't no king snake. He said, Daddy, that's a rattlesnake. And so we learned about that rattlesnake. And, and what we've seen and what we'll see today is the, the sin is here. It's in us. And so sin has spread. And so Adam and Eve ate the fruit. They consumed it. It went in them, out toward us. And what we're going to find today is the first heart to ever break in the world was God's heart. And so we're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 6, uh, Noah and Noah's ark. Let's go verse 5, chapter 6, verse 5. It says this, The Lord saw how great the wickedness, no such thing as a small sin, how great the wickedness of the human heart, the human race, had become on the earth. And every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was evil all the time. And the Lord regretted. Uh, his heart broke. He was grieved that He had made human beings on the earth and His heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe away from the face of the earth 
the human race that I've created. And with them, the animals and the birds and the creatures to, that move along the ground, I regret that I've made him. We see the reversal of creation. Uh, God said in the beginning, let there be light. Light, let there be land. Land, let there be birds, animals. And now we see him going back. No animals, no, uh, no light. He's, he's bringing water back on the earth. It's this reversal. But watch this in verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. There's that word, but. I love the word, but. Ephesians 2, you're dead in your sins, but God was rich in mercy. And that's exactly what we see here. Uh, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Uh, he found it. If you walk down the sidewalk and you find a penny, you didn't do anything to earn it. You just received it. Uh, you found it. And that's exactly what we see here. It's kind of like that band, Finding Favor, with Blake Neesmith. That's exactly what Noah finds right here. He finds favor of the Lord. Verse 9, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. And Noah had three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Some awesome names right there. Now the earth, watch this, was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. God's place is now corrupt. And it's corrupt not because of God, but because of people. Now 13, so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. The earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Now watch this. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. Coat it with pitch. The word pitch in Hebrew is also translated atonement. And so this pitch that he sealed this ark with is what kept God's judgment out from getting to him and his family. Well, what did Jesus do on the cross? He atoned for our sins. We're covered by the blood. And that atonement is what keeps God's judgment from getting to us. And, and, and he said this, Noah, build a boat. And he handed them some blueprints. Y'all know what a blueprint is? When I, I went to welding school, I learned how to weld, but your boy couldn't read no blueprint. Just couldn't read the blueprint. He gave the blueprint on how to build this boat. And Noah, watch this, chapter 7, verse 5. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Not some of it, not part of it. He did all of it. And Noah was 600 years old. Your boy was up in age, okay? When the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds, of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark. He didn't go get them. They came to him. As God had commanded Noah, verse 10, And after seven days the floodwaters came to the earth, and in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of heavens were opened and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. But Noah and his family entered the ark. 
I love Noah. I always have loved Noah. Wasn't nothing special about Noah. When Noah got off the ark, sin got off the ark with him, okay? It wasn't Noah, but Noah points us to Jesus. And Noah followed God when nobody else did. And I think there's some things that we can lean in and learn from the life of Noah and Noah's ark. And I got three. There's a lot in there. We ain't got time. But I do have three for us this morning. One, uh, Noah walked with God when no one else was. He walked with God when nobody else was. It's easy to follow Jesus when everybody else is. But it's a whole other story to follow him when nobody else does. But verse 9 says this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked faithfully with God. He was faithful in an unfaithful environment. He was a needle in a haystack. He was the weirdo. He was the crazy man. Noah wasn't conformed to the culture because my boy walked with God. In other words, he wasn't doing it just because everybody else was doing it. And he wasn't worried about being popular in the world he lived in because the world he lived in wasn't popular with God. Now listen to me, that's a lot of pressure. That's pressure. Living in an environment like that, that's a lot of pressure. And some of you and me and us, we live in some pressured environments. It's easy to walk with God when you come to church because you ain't got no competition. Everyone has the same like-minded. And even if they ain't the same like-minded, they know how to fake it. Because that's what you do at church. A lot of people at church, they know how to fake it. But listen to me, when you go back into an environment that's not here, that's a lot of pressure. But watch this. Noah walked so close with God that he could hear God speak. It's going to rain. He said, no, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And sometimes we don't hear God's voice because we ain't walking close with God. Now listen to me preach it this morning. What do we learn from Noah's walk with God? We'll write this down. A, Noah was comfortable with crazy. He was comfortable with crazy. Anybody got some crazy family members? Easy. Easy. But that ain't the crazy I'm talking about. Crazy can be good in the right circumstance. Now listen to me. Crazy can be a word that people call other people that walk by faith and walk, by, walk with God. It can be called crazy, but it can be a compliment if it's referring to your faith. When I got saved, before I got saved, I was running 100 miles this way. When I got saved, it didn't take me a second. I was running 100 miles the other way. And your boy looked a little crazy. I looked crazy. Uh, I remember some of my friends calling me up. Hey, man, you want to go ride dirt roads? I was like, boy, I don't know about that road. Let me tell you about the road I'm on. I'm on that straight and narrow road, right? And I looked a little crazy. And I remember when I got saved, I remember my wife wasn't saved yet. And I wanted to start tithing. And I'll never forget, I told her, I said, write write a check for $100 for the church. And what did she say? She didn't say nothing, but she gave me a look that said, boy, you crazy. That's $400 a month. That's almost rent. But when you listen to God and do what he says, listen, don't be surprised if you look a little crazy. Now listen to me. You need to write this down. Don't expect uninformed people to understand God's word and will for your life. Because they're uninformed. And you can't expect lost people to understand 
what God's telling you to do and God's will for your life. And when you live by the word of God, it's going to be contrary to the world. Abraham looked crazy. God told you to what? Kill your son. What? That's crazy. Uh, Listen to me. Moses got called crazy. You're going back to Egypt? You just made it. You just made it out of Egypt. You're going back? That's, That's crazy. By the way, Jesus came back. That's crazy. Now listen to me. Noah looked crazy. Your dad's building a three-story boat in the desert. That's crazy. Jesus was called crazy. Look on the screen, Mark chapter 3, 20 through 21. Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. But when his family heard about this, They went to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. Another word, you're crazy. So crazy can be good in the right circumstances. You can't follow God and fit into this world. So listen to me. Don't let the voices of uninformed people hinder you from listening to God and doing what he says. But let God's voice be the loudest voice in your life. Because you can't live for the acceptance of the world and get the approval of God. Get used to crazy. Do other people see your faith as crazy? Do other people look in your life and say, man, he's got some crazy faith? Because listen to me, if we don't look crazy in the world around us, it may be because we fit in more with the world than we stand out from it for God. Noah got comfortable with crazy. B, uh, Noah didn't settle for halfway. But watch this, in verse 5 it says, And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. And so you got two big ideas here. You got God commanding, then you got Noah doing. And so God commanding, listen, let God's voice be the loudest thing in your life and be the only thing that you live for. You need to change your perspective about the commands of God. What if you changed your view of God's commands as not rules to follow? but a father loving his children. And I tell my son, don't go play on the dirt road. Because I don't want him to get hit by a car. And if I know how to love my earthly son, and he knows his uh, earthly father loves him, won't we know that God loves his, his children, our heavenly father? Maybe we should stop seeing God's commands as doors being closed that we wish we could open. And maybe we should see God's commands as him trying to open up doors in our life that we never once dreamed of. Because God's plan is better than ours. And God's plan for your life is better than yours. On this blueprint, there was one thing God didn't put on there for Noah. That was a steering wheel. Because God didn't want Noah steering his life, but he wanted Noah to be trusted in him to be the captain of that ship and that he would take this boat where it needs to go. Listen, I never dreamed of things that God's given me in my life. I never dreamed of pastoring people. I never dreamed of serving others. I never dreamed of following Jesus. I never dreamed of leading my family spiritually. And Psalm 1611 says, I make known to you the path of life. It's hard trying to steer your life and you don't know where you're going because you can't see it. But listen to me, God sees it. And then you have Noah doing. Listen, don't just settle for halfway obedience, but live by God's voice 
not other people's opinion. Listen, Noah, uh, God commanded him to do it and he did it. He commanded it and it was so. He commanded it and it came to be. When God created the world, God said, let there be light and there was light. Let there be land and there was land. God is creating. He's speaking and everything is obeying. And when you obey God's voice, you got creation. And that's exactly what Noah was doing. He said, do this and it was so. Do this and it was so. Because when you obey God's voice, that's creation. When you disobey, that's decreation. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, God told them, and it was not so. But they, listen, they lean to their own opinion. Now listen to me, God did not intend for you to live your life based on your knowledge of good and evil. He intended you to live your life based on His voice. And God and Noah listened to God's voice and did everything He said, not just what He agreed with. So listen, when God tells you to do something, what's your response? What's your response when God tells you to do something? Some of y'all, y'all be looking at God like this right here. Just like... I do what I want to do, when I want to do it, who I want to do it with, how I want to do it with. And that's how we can be. I know I can sometimes, but Noah did everything exactly the way God said it. Listen, uh, he didn't say, hey, hey girl, go get that third giraffe. I know, I know God said two, he sent two, I know, but we got room for a third one. Go ahead and get that third one. He didn't do that. He didn't say, hey, I know it's supposed to be three stories. Hey, let's build this thing two stories because your boy's tired. He didn't do that. If it was 300 yards, he didn't go 299. If God said 250, he didn't go 249. He listened to God and did what he said. And Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. And what? Lean not to your own understanding. We like to obey God when we can see it all. Or we don't obey when we don't understand it all. But listen, that's what cultural Christianity teaches us in the Bible Belt. And what happens is, it'll have you out here treating God like a vending machine. Just doing what you want here, not over here and choosing and choosing. But listen to me, let me serve you well. If your God never disagrees with you, if your God never asked you to step out of your comfort zone, if your God never asked you to do things that you don't quite understand, that's a great indication that you ain't following God at all. You're either following yourself or a God that you've created. And God ain't never been okay with halfway and lukewarm. Lukewarm coffee ain't good. You better get that thing hot or get it cold. You get it hot or get it cold. And, and God doesn't like halfway or lukewarm because, listen, no, I didn't do just enough to get by with because half obedience is full disobedience. So is your life characterized by the full obedience of God or are you doing just enough? He was comfortable with crazy. He didn't settle for halfway. And see, sometimes we see confirmation comes after we step. Sometimes we want God to show us something and then we step. But listen, sometimes God tells us to step and then He shows us. Hebrews eleven seven, By faith when Noah warned about the things not yet seen, built an ark for his family. An ark to save his family. Can you imagine when God sent Noah the animals? That was after the ark was built. Can you imagine being Noah and walking down the road 
and seeing a water buffalo and a squirrel and thinking, now how in the world am I going to get these animals on this boat? But Noah didn't have to go get any animal. God sent the animals to him. Can you imagine when God sent down rain? It ain't never rained in his life. God watered the ground, kind of like we get well water. We bring it up, and he watered the ground that way. It ain't never rained in Noah's life, and he's in the middle of a desert. But drip, drip, drop, drip, drip, drop, it started raining. Can't you imagine Noah trusted God's word when it started raining and he got confirmation? Or maybe when we see God giving Noah a rainbow. He didn't give, God, he didn't give Noah the rainbow before he built the ark. He built the ark and then he received the rainbow. Don't you see this? The rainbow became after uh, obedience, not before. So listen, if Noah would have if waited for the rainbow, he would have missed all those things. And here's what I tell you. Sometimes we look for rainbows and we miss out on the rain. Don't miss out on the blessings of obedience. I didn't say prosperity, but it's always a blessing when you do listen to God and do what He says. Now listen, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And sometimes stepping can be hard. God ain't never asked me to do anything that I wasn't scared to death. When I couldn't see it. If I can't see what he's trying to get me to do, it's scary obeying God sometimes. When I got saved, you can bring someone to the edge of a cliff, you can't make them jump because you don't see it. When I got saved, it was scary. I'm going to have to give up all this. I'm going to have a whole new life. I didn't know what to do. When I tied for the first time, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Have you seen my budget, God? And it's scary. When I got called into ministry, it's about to quit my job, my insurance. I mean, it's hard. God's never told me to do anything in my life worth taking a step and trusting Him with full obedience that didn't scare me half to death. Listen, are you willing to trust God's heart even when you can't see it all? Could it be that you're waiting on God, but God's really just waiting on you? Are you willing to step? What step has God been asking you to step? You know, that step that you can't see, what's on the other side. So because you can't see it, you don't trust it, and you decide not to step. Maybe it's things like family worship night with family in your home. But you don't know how it's going to fit into the schedule. But you step anyway. Or maybe, it's, maybe it is tithing 10%. When you don't know how in the world is this going to fit in my budget. Maybe it is joining a connect group. Even though it's uncomfortable. Or maybe you've had a bad experience. But you know that that's where you're going to flourish. Listen, maybe it's having that gospel conversation. That God's been wanting you to have with that friend or that family member. But you don't know how that conversation's going to go. So you shy away instead of being obedient. Maybe it's sharing your testimony. Because God doesn't save us without giving us a story to tell. But maybe we're, we don't want to be transparent. Or maybe we're scared of what people's going to think of us. Or we're nervous so we don't share that testimony. Maybe it's breaking off a relationship because you know that it's toxic. 
Or you know that you're unequally yoked. And maybe it's doing that. Or maybe it's just letting go of this world with both, both hands and going all in with Jesus. But listen, God only wants for you what you would want for yourself if you are smart enough to know what is best for you. And so whatever it is, do whatever He says. Know what we God when nobody else would. Second, we see this. Noah built an ark to save his family. Your faith is bigger than you. Listen, in, in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I found you righteous. The whole family got on the ark. The whole family didn't get on the ark because they were more righteous or better than anybody else. The reason his family was able to enter the ark of salvation because it was Noah that found favor with God. His faith changed his family's future. Now listen in Hebrews eleven seven on the screen. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And it was by his faith that he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness and keeping up with faith. Listen to me. The result of Noah's faith impacted his family. He built a boat. What are you building on? What are you building? What foundation are you building on in your life? And how is your faith going to change your family and your friends and your work environments? What's going to happen? Write this down. A, his faith was transferable. It transferred from him to his family. Noah believed God about rain. He ain't never seen. But when he trusted God's word and started moving and stepping, not only did Noah find blessing, but so did his family. Your faith is bigger than you. The Bible screams this. We see it in Moses' life. His mom put him in a basket and put him in the Nile River. Her faith made an impact on him. We see this in Noah's life. He built an ark and saved his family. We see it in a paralytic's life. Four men brought a paralytic to the feet of Jesus and lowered him through a, a roof. And God said, Your, their faith has made you whole. We see it in Timothy's life. In 2 Timothy, Paul is writing his son in the faith, Timothy. And he says these words, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois. And in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it lives in you too. Our faith is transferred to our family. Well, what did he do? What did Noah do to walk by faith? Well, one thing is he lived by the blueprints God gave him. God gave him the blueprints to build on. And I believe that that blueprint for Noah's boat wasn't just a blueprint for Noah's boat, but I believe those blueprints are blueprints for our life. And I believe our lives to be a sanctuary, an ark that people can come in and out of and find shelter and come in and out of and find salvation. Noah led by an example. And I got to believe times where there was fam his family members thought he was slapped crazy. But he led by example. Uh, I believe things, there was times and things in his life that he questioned himself. But listen, he led by an example. And God, listen, doesn't call us to something without giving us instructions. And He's gave us a blueprint for purpose and life. And you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. 
And you can give a man a Bible, but you can't make him read it and believe it and live it. But I'm telling you, it ain't because God didn't give it. But be an example that other people can look like, can look to and see Christ in you. The second thing he did was he used the tools God gave him. Noah ain't have a Home Depot. I don't think Noah had Handy Andy. I don't know that he had power drills. Well, what kind of tools did Noah use? Well, he used the tools that God provided for him, whatever God gave him. I tell you, one tool was availability. He was available and then God provided. Noah made time and God made a way. He didn't make excuses. And when you start investing your life into other people, it takes time. It took 120 years to build a boat for a reason. But listen, when you invest your time into your kids spiritually, into your wife and husband spiritually, into your job spiritually, that is sacrifice, but it's sacrifice that's worth it. Three is he owned the mission God set in front of him. The mission of God was first priority in Noah's life. There's something you need to know about Noah. He wasn't wasn't in the construction business. Genesis 9 says he was a farmer. He was a man of the soil. And so listen, he was a carpenter by commission, not profession. But God's commission came first. And it's when you put God's commission above everything else that people are going to see that you take God seriously and He's going to start saving people around you and seeing an impact in your life. Four is He embraced the sacrifice to get there. 120 years. you got to be kidding me. 120. 120. Now listen, can you imagine the sacrifice? He didn't just build an ark for 120 years. He preached the gospel for 120 years. It takes sacrifice. It's not a magical prayer that you pray with your kids. A lot of times we're, we're looking for one big moment in our family's life, but Noah picked up the gospel hammer and hammered every single day. And that's what it is, is sacrifice for you and your family every single day. It's not always the big moments, but it's the everyday mundane little moments that God has given you to make a difference in your family. And what we see is godly sacrifice became sweet. It was worth it in the end. Don't you know all his toil and perseverance came and when it ended, God's promises came true and it was worth it. It was worth it in the end. And so B, my question is what legacy are you leaving behind? What's your legacy? Is what you're doing today going to matter 120 years from now? Is it going to matter? Are you living on God's blueprint? Does the Bible show up in your everyday life? Because people hear what you say, but people remember what you do. And Noah did both. He lived the gospel, but he preached the gospel. Are you using the tools that's been given to you? Because we got more resources now than we've ever had in our life. We got phones and apps and Bibles and so many things. But are you using what's available to you? Are you owning the mission God set before you? Does your life revolve around the Great Commission? And are you sacrificing for what matters most? Now listen to me. Listen. Don't get it twisted in this world you're living in. 
Don't get it backwards. Because listen, the most heartbreaking thing is when we care more about the success of our families than we do the salvation of our families. And success disconnected from salvation is very unsuccessful. And the supreme future is eternity. So you can't care about nobody's future without caring about everybody's salvation. So what's getting the biggest sacrifice in our life? Is it the physical things or is it the spiritual things? And I would say, see, what else really matters? What else really matters? Make a list of the greatest accomplishments in your life. And highlight the ones that's going to matter the day that we stand before God. And if we don't have any highlights on our paper, let's tear that one up and let's make a new list. Don't put so much stock into a future that's got an expiration date. He walked with God when nobody else was. He built an ark to save his family. And then lastly... Jesus is the ark of salvation. What does Noah's ark got anything to do with us in 2021? It's got everything to do with us in 2021. You see, because when Noah got off that ark, sin got off that ark with him. And listen, if God eradicated sin, he would have to eradicate all people because sin lives in us. And so what do we learn from this story? Well, we learn this. A, we deserve God's judgment. We deserve it. Look with me in chapter 6, verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. That's three times corrupt, corrupt, corrupt in two verses. Well, why are we so corrupt? Why? Well, chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. Every inclination of the faults of the human heart was only evil all the time. Sometimes my own prayer life is laced with sin. And it's selfish. It's not that I love God. It's what I want. It's in our heart. You see, this is the doctrine of original sin. The heart of the problem is the problem with our hearts. We're born with a heart that has a bent towards sin. And so listen, our heart's been under attack ever since the garden of, of, of Adam and Eve in the garden. And so we're born this way. It doesn't matter if you're born this way. It matters if you're born again. We carry the same tradition as our representatives, Adam and Eve. And that tradition is this, I'll do it my way. I'll do it my way. And I know I've said that with my life. God, I'm going to do it my way. But listen, that's the essence of sin. And one sin against a holy God deserves eternal punishment. And so we've deserved it. But God. But, but God. But, but God. Now write this down. We see B. But God shows us grace. But God shows us His grace. God opens up a door to an ark of salvation. Now listen, notice Something about this door. Jen Wilkin mentions three things about this door. One door, no steering wheel, one door. Here's three things it shows us. 
One, it shows us God's perfect security. Chapter 7, verse 16, it says the animals going in were made female, male and female, and every living thing as God commanded Noah. Now watch this. The Lord shut them in. Noah didn't close the door. God shut the door. He shut the door because their safety relied on God Himself. Now they said God Himself couldn't seek the Titanic, the Titanic, but it sank because it was sealed by man. But Noah's ark was sealed by God. There's never been a less sinkable boat. The boat isn't the only thing God seals. But God seals every single believer who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.13, when you believe, you are marked with a seal, a deposit, guaranteeing, guaranteeing, guaranteeing your faith. I'm just preaching the text. Guaranteeing your faith. He puts a seal on you in the same way Noah preserved and was pre- preserved. The saints persevere. He saves you and seals you. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Nobody. That is security. You know what else? This boat only had one window. And it was so high that Noah couldn't see out. But it was high enough for God to shine His light in. Because God wanted Noah and his family not to worry about the storm they were in. And to be focused on the storm that they were in. But to focus on God shining His light in the midst of their storm. And I know this. When you're a Christian and God lives in your heart. You can go through some of the worst storms you've ever been through. And you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because God is with you in the storm. The second thing about this door is it shows us God's grace and patience. 120 years Noah preached good news and warning 120 years and then when the waters receded and started before they started coming down and Noah was built, built this ark before it started raining the door opened for 7 days 7 days a great invitation from God himself saying come to me And the people looked up at Noah and jeered and mocked at him the same way our Savior hung on a cross. And they looked up and jeered and mocked at him. Listen, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is patient with you, not wishing that any any would suffer, but all would come to repentance. And God has given us a door. His name is Jesus. John 10, 9, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Jesus came like Noah, but only better. Like Noah, Jesus will obey God. And even though no one understands him, through his obedience, he will provide an ark of salvation. Adam failed in a garden. Noah got off the ark and got drunk and fell in a garden. But our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He had victory in a garden. He said, not my will, but thy will. Like Noah's ark, Jesus will shield us from the storm of God's wrath and lift us up above the waters of judgment. But unlike Noah, that ark that shields us from the wrath of God will not be gopher wood, but it'll be Jesus' own torn flesh. And we'll be lifted up above the waters of judgment because Jesus will be submerged into them. That's why God gave Noah a rainbow 
A rainbow is also called God's war bow because you use bow and arrows to fight with. And how did God fight his own battle? He used his son and he took that rainbow and shot it into his son instead of shooting it into us. That's why a rainbow points upward and not downward. He shot his son with his wrath. And so me and you can walk away free. And the ark had many rooms. And Jesus said, in my father's house, there'll be many rooms. And God invited Noah to come into the ark. And Jesus says to me and you, come, all who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. And the ark was made of wood. The cross was made of wood. Only God can build a bridge from heaven to earth with two pieces of wood. And after it rained, and the rain stopped, God opened up the door to the ark and invited Noah and his family to come off the ark. The same way he rolled away a tomb and he told Lazarus to come out the grave. And the same way he raised his own self from the grave. And because God saved Noah, he remained alive. And Jesus gives us eternal life. He's our ark of salvation. There's only one door. And so the question for all of us is, have we entered the ark of safety? Have we entered the door of Jesus? And the last thing, three, is it shows us there's an end to grace. There is an end. And the door is open. But the door did shut. I've heard some loud doors slam in my life. I've heard some bedroom doors slam. I've heard some car doors slam. I've heard some work doors shut. But when that door to that ark closed... That had to be the loudest door to close ever because the door shut and the rain came and you can't open a door that God shuts closed. So see, I would tell you, get on the boat. Get on the boat. Get on the boat. The door is open. Jesus was on a cross and he's the door. He said, I love you this much. I love you this much. I love you this much. And come through me and anybody who comes in me shall be saved. He's the door, but the door will close. The loudest door to ever close will be the door of grace. Be the loudest door that ever closes. But listen to me. God doesn't only open doors and close doors. God knocks on doors. He knocks on doors. And listen to Revelation 3.20. Here I am. At the door. I stand at the door and knock. I knock. And anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me and I will save them August 26, 2013. God knocked on my door. He said, I got something better than the life you're living. You can let go of this world with both hands now. And I entered that door and I said, God, forgive me, a sinner. I know I need your help. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Save my soul. Forgive me for everything I've ever done. And he came in. I'm telling you right now, God changed my life forever, forever, forever. I've never been the same since. I've never been the same since. Because when a big God comes in, he sticks out. And he changed my life. And he cleaned up my life. And I'm telling you, he's knocked on my door a few times. 
I ignored it, and I ignored it, and I ignored it. But that day, I bowed my knee to King Jesus and said, I'm tired of running, and I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I'm going to give you some advice real quick. Let me tell you something. If God knocks on your door, and He's working in your heart, and He wants to come in and save your soul, listen to me. Don't ever ignore that knock. Don't. But you open it up. You say, I'm all yours. Amen. He's a great salvation. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. God, I thank you for your word and how it points to you. Now, God, I thank you for an ark of salvation. I thank you for Jesus and you're the door. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm so thankful for your spirit. And that you knock on doors. And God, you want to enter people's hearts and you want to have a relationship with people. And God, we worship you for that. If there's somebody here right now and you say, Blake, Jesus has been knocking on my door and the door is open. And you say, today, I want to walk through that door and I want to give my life to Jesus. With every head closed, every eye closed, every head bowed, you just raise your hand so I can pray for you. I just want to pray for you. And for the rest of us, God, we love you. God, challenge us. Help us to own your mission just like Noah. And God, to be lights in this world. We love you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. See y'all back next week.